Well, if you'll please take your Bibles and turn with me at this time. We are in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 21, and uh, verses 28 through 32. Uh, we're returning to our series now on Jesus in Jerusalem. You may remember we started this uh, back in November, and then we took a break in the month of December to focus on Advent and Christmas, and, and, uh, but now we're back into the series again, and it's going to lead us right up uh, uh, to Palm Sunday and Easter. And uh, one of the questions we said we wanted to answer in this series is, how do you get from Palm Sunday to Good Friday? How do you get from the triumphal entry to the crucifixion? How do you get from people uh, proclaiming Jesus as Messiah, the crowds just calling out his praises as he enters Jerusalem, to the people rejecting him as Messiah and crying out for him to be crucified instead? And the answer is found in the events that took place in this final week of Jesus' life before he went to the cross. This final week of Jesus' life in Jerusalem. So far in these chapters, we've seen that there is an escalating conflict uh, between Jesus and the religious leaders. And, And we've seen that Jesus is really forcing the religious leaders' hand in all of this. First, Jesus made a statement, didn't he? Uh, When he rode into Jerusalem on the donkey and all the people proclaimed him as Messiah. Then what does he do? He goes right into the temple, drives out the buyers and the sellers and the money changers, challenging their authority right in the temple. Then he curses the fig tree, a a sign of judgment uh, on the people of Israel and those who will reject the Messiah. And then we saw in our last message before we took the break, the religious leaders beginning to push back. Jesus is teaching in the temple. They come right up to him and ask him, by whose authority are you doing all these things? And so now as we enter this next section of scripture, it's really marked by a series of contrasts and conflicts. And you're going to see a number of contrasts. In our passage today, the contrast is between what you say and what you do. Next week, we'll see the contrast between a kingdom that is taken away and a kingdom that is given. The following week, the contrast will be between the many who are invited and the few who are chosen. And Jesus just brings out one contrast after another in this next section of Scripture. And all the time, the conflict between Jesus and the religious leaders is just ramping up a conflict which will eventually lead to Jesus' arrest and crucifixion. And so today we begin with the contrast that's found in a parable. It's the parable of the two sons, uh, Matthew 21, 28 through 32. Will you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? What do you think, Jesus said? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son... Go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent 
and believe him. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, as we look deep into this parable, it's a parable about the religious leaders, but Lord, it's a parable about us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts to hear what you would speak to us through your word today. Holy Spirit, we give you our hearts. Speak to us, shape us, change us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Well, we said that we're in a section of scripture which uh, presents a series of contrasts. And in today's message, the contrast is between what you say and what you do. That can sometimes be a pretty big contrast, can't it, between what you say and what you do. You know, today's the first Sunday of the new year. I imagine a number of us have made some New Year's resolutions. And we have said, whether to ourselves or other people, we have said that we are going to do some things differently this year, right? Uh, But unfortunately, most of us are not going to make it past February, okay? Uh, The surveys say the average person keeps their New Year's resolutions, ready for this, for a grand total of 32 days. Now, I'm actually surprised it's that long, but 32 days. This is why gyms uh, like to sell you the the annual membership in January, right? You pay for a whole year, and they're not going to even see you in February. Okay, it's all baked in. New Year's resolutions are a familiar example uh, where we, what we say, I'm going to the gym, right? What we say is not always the same as what we do. And so the parable we're looking at today, it's actually the first of three parables. Jesus is going to give three parables right in a row directed at the religious leaders. We've got the parable of the two sons today, next week parable of the tenants, parable of the wedding banquet after that. All three directed directly at the religious leaders. And all three just increasing this conflict between uh, Jesus and the leaders leading up to Good Friday. When the parable of the good sons today, the difference between what you say, what you do. And here is the main point of this parable, the main thing Jesus is going to bring out for the the religious leaders, for us. It's all about repentance and faith. And that repentance and faith are more important than outward religious show. I'll say that again. Repentance and faith are more important than outward religious show. So we're in Matthew 21, and uh, we're going to jump right back into the verses now. Let me begin with 28 through 31. Jesus is speaking, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will, he answered, but later he changed his mind. I will not, he answered, but later he changed his mind and went. And then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first they answered. Let's take a look at this now. This is a tale of two sons, and Jesus begins by asking the religious leaders, what do you think? And Jesus was just an amazing teacher. He was very interactive when he taught, and he was always asking questions. He was probing people's thoughts and their motivations, always helping people to dig deeper uh, beneath the surface. That's one of the reasons he often taught in parables, was to make them think and then sort of sneak the truth in under them and and then hit them with that so that they could uh, understand Uh, the truth of God's kingdom. And uh, here he engages the religious leaders up front and lets them know, hey, I'm going to want your feedback now on what I'm about to say. 
In the parable itself, it's real simple, right? One man, two sons, tells each of them, go work in the vineyard. First one says, no, changes his mind, goes anyways. The other one says, yes, but then he doesn't go. That's it. That's the whole story. And so as we look at this parable, we go, well, what's this all about? Obviously, we're not just talking about a father and two sons in a vineyard. Well, working in the vineyard in this parable, it's a symbol for following God and doing what God says. That's very clear from this, following God, doing what God says. And so we can look at the first son in the parable. He is an example of genuine conversion. Genuine conversion. Why? Well, because at first he disobeyed his father, right? But then later he changes his mind and he does what the father asked. The word that's translated changed his mind in this uh, parable, it's, it's one of the words that's translated as repentance in other places in the Bible. That's what the word repentance actually means, to have a change of your mind. And uh, so here we have an example of disobedience. I won't do it. Followed by a change of mind. Followed by repentance. It's an example of conversion. Notice Jesus tells him, son, go and work today in the vineyard. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. There should always be a sense of urgency in our lives when it comes to obeying God, when it comes to obeying Jesus. So the first son, he is an example of conversion. The second son is an example of hypocrisy. He says he's going to go, right? He says he'll go, but he doesn't. His words and his actions do not line up. Now, we're not told whether he really meant that he was going to go and and then change his mind and go, or whether he just never really meant to go at all. I think it's probably the second one, uh, because Jesus says the first son changed his mind. doesn't say anything about the second son changing his mind. Uh, The second son is prompt. He is polite. He is respectful. Did you notice he addresses his father as sir? Interestingly, that same word, Uh, translated sir there can also be translated lord and we're going to get to that a little bit later but right now it's simply sir simply a title of respect for his father and so the second son he says all the right things doesn't he everything looks good on the outside but the only problem is none of it is real it's all words it's all words without action and so the second son is an example of hypocrisy Jesus then asks the religious leaders, which of the two did what his father wanted? Remember, Jesus prepared them for this. He asked them at the beginning, what do you think? Now he asks for their feedback. Remember earlier in this series, we saw how the religious leaders tried to trip up Jesus, how they tried to trap him in his own words? Well, Jesus is about to trap them in their words. Notice Jesus does not ask them which of the two said what the father wanted them to say. No, he asked them which of the two did what his father wanted them to do. And and the answer is so obvious. I mean, they can only make one answer here, right? Uh, It's very clear who did the right thing. It's the first son. So they say the first one. It's the one who changed his mind, the one who actually did what his father told him to do. Now, Jesus asked the religious leaders which son did what his father wanted. That was his question to them. But the bigger question for you and me today, when we read this parable, is this. 
Which son are you? Right? Which son are you? Which son am I? Are you the first son? The one who at first disobeyed God, but then repented and chose to follow God instead? Or are you the second son who talks a good game, but isn't really following God at all? And this personal application of the parable becomes even clearer when we see this is exactly what Jesus does now. He personally applies it to the religious leaders who just responded. He said, which one did what the fathers asked? And they said, the first. And now Jesus is going to hold them accountable for their own work. Look at verses 31 and 32 with me now. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John, and he's speaking of John the Baptist here, for John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did, and even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Jesus tells them, the tax collectors... The prostitutes, they're entering the kingdom of God before you do. In fact, the words are even stronger here and can carry this sense. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God instead of you. In other words, they're entering God's kingdom and you are not. Can you imagine how offensive this would have been to the religious leaders, right? You know, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, they were considered the lowest of the law. And if you had asked any of the religious leaders of that day, hey, tell me something. Are the tax collectors and prostitutes entering the kingdom of God? They would have answered, absolutely not. Are you kidding me? As far as they were concerned, those, those were the least likely candidates for God's kingdom. And if you had asked any of the religious leaders of that day, are you entering the kingdom of God? You know what they would have answered? Well, yeah, of course we are, right? We're the religious leaders. If anyone's getting in, it's us. Well, Jesus takes that type of thinking. He turns it all upside down, as he so often does. He says, hey, the tax collectors and prostitutes, they're, they're entering the kingdom before you do. Why is it? It's because they repented and believed. Yeah, they, they'd been living bad lives. They'd been living in disobedience to God's commands. But when John the Baptist came, they believed his message. They repented of their sins. They were baptized by John in preparation for the coming of Messiah. And we read about this in a different gospel, in the gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 7. Uh, we read this in verses 29 and 30. All the people... Even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves 
because they had not been baptized by John. And so now we can see the original application of this parable. The first son in the parable corresponds to who? To the tax collectors and the prostitutes. Those ones who at first, yeah, they were disobeying God, but then they changed their minds. They repented. And the second son of the parable corresponds with the religious leaders who are talking a real good game here, but they rejected God's purpose for themselves because they rejected John, and they rejected John's message. Now back to verse 32 in our passage. Jesus tells the religious leaders, he says, For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did, and even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Jesus says, John came to show you the way of righteousness. So what is this way of righteousness that John came to show? John showed that the way of righteousness was repentance and faith in Jesus. Repentance for sins, faith in Jesus. We read this in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is near. That was the first part of his message, wasn't it? Repentance. But then he also pointed the people to Jesus. We read in John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John showed that the way of righteousness was repentance and faith in Jesus rather than outward religious show. But you know, the religious leaders did not believe John. They didn't repent. They didn't believe that Jesus was the one who had come from God. In fact, even when they saw the tax collectors and the prostitutes repenting and believing, boy, if that was ever a sign, right, they still did not believe. And this made them even guiltier than they were before. They chose outward religious show over heartfelt repentance and faith in Christ. And so they were like the second son, right? The second son who said he would obey his father, but then he did not do what his father told him. Jesus had asked them, which, which son did what his father wanted? They said the first one. Earlier they had tried to trap Jesus and they had failed. Now Jesus has trapped them. And they stand condemned by their own words. There are several applications we can make from this parable today. First one is pretty obvious. Your actions should line up with your words. Your actions should line up with your words. We find a number of examples of this in Scripture. For example, uh, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus warned his hearers. He said this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Notice the difference between those who say, those who do. Remember the second son called his father Sir? And we said that that same word could be translated Lord? Well, here we have an actual example of people who actually do call Jesus Lord. They call him, they say, Lord, Lord, but they still do not enter the kingdom of heaven. 
because their actions do not line up with their words. They say the right things, but they don't do what God says. Or we read in James chapter 2. James writes this. He says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. James says, what what good is it if you wish someone well, but you don't do anything to help them? It's all words, right? Once again, your actions are not lining up with your words. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, that faith is dead. 1 John 3.18 says this, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Once again, what you say and what you do, those should be the same. So that's our first application from this parable. Your actions should line up with your words. A second application is this. You can never be too sinful to enter God's kingdom. I love this one. Isn't that just the most wonderful news in the world? You can never be too sinful to enter God's kingdom. You know, sometimes we just think that we've messed up uh, too much or, or too badly for God to want anything to do with us. We, we think that God's, God's for the good people, right? He's for the people who've got it all together. We know that we've failed God and we've failed other people so many times and in so many ways, we're afraid of even approaching God. This morning, you may feel like you are the chief of sinners, the worst of the worst. But you know, the Apostle Paul, pretty important person in the kingdom of God, right? The Apostle Paul once testified this in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He said, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst, And so, yeah, you may think that you're the worst of sinners, but so did Paul. But Paul came to Jesus, and Jesus changed his life. Here is a trustworthy saying. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And so if you are a sinner this morning, you are not excluded from the kingdom of God. You actually qualify, okay? Even if you are the worst of sinners, you still qualify when you come to Christ in faith. Believing, Jesus said in John 6, 37, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. See, you can never be too sinful to enter God's kingdom. Jesus said the tax collectors, the prostitutes, he said they're entering. Yeah, they'd lived sinful lives, but when they heard John speak about Jesus, they repented of their sins. They put their faith in Christ. They entered God's kingdom. They became brand new people in Jesus. And God offers the same thing to you today. He offers you new life in Christ. And God is offering it to you, so let me tell you, take it. Receive it. New life in Jesus. Forgiveness for your sins. That's our second application this morning. You can never be too sinful to enter God's kingdom. And then our third application is this. Religion will not save you. You must repent of your sin and believe 
in Jesus. We saw that John the Baptist's message was what? Repent and believe. Well, guess what Jesus' message was when he came along after John? Repent and believe. We read this in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. You see, repentance is part of the call of the gospel. Repentance means turning away from your sins. Repentance is part of faith because you cannot turn towards God in faith without first and at the same time turning away from your sins in repentance. Repentance is not just what you say, but what you do. God offers you new life in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit when you come to him in faith believing, turning away from your sins. Jesus said, the time has come. He said, the kingdom's here. And the time has come because Jesus has come. Remember what the father told the sons? He said, today, go today to work in the vineyard. Today is the day of salvation. That is our third application. Religion won't save you. You must repent of your sin and believe in Jesus. And so that's really the ultimate meaning of this parable of the two sons. Repentance and faith are so much more important than any outward religious show. It doesn't matter if you say you believe in God if your actions don't show it. Repentance trumps religion every single time. And a true conversion to Christ involves repentance from sin and turning to God in faith through Jesus' Son. Let me sum it up for you real simple, okay, as we close this up. It doesn't matter how religious you are. If you do not repent and believe in Jesus, you will not enter the kingdom of God. And it does not matter how sinful you are. If you do repent and believe in Jesus, you will enter the kingdom of God. And so what you say and what you do matters. And if you truly believe in God, you will do what he tells you. And he tells you to repent of your sins and to put your faith in Jesus, his son. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for uh, the teaching that you've given us. And Lord, we thank you for the challenge. Are we the first son? Have we turned away from those things that hurt you and displease you? Or are we the second son? Are we talking a real good game? It looks all good on the outside, but inside we are, we're rebelling. We're fighting against you. Oh, Lord, help us to see this morning that what we do and what we say are so important. They must match up. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for making a way to bring us into your kingdom despite our sin. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.